This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, yesterday, which is seven years almost since Britain voted to leave the European Union, seven years and five prime ministers, five Tory prime ministers, agreement looks like it has been reached between the European Union and the UK. Its title is the Windsor Framework, and the European President, President of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, came to London, and Rishi Sunak, Prime Minister, had to face down the rebels, the hardliners, and indeed his predecessor, Boris Johnson. Well, not his immediate predecessor, they come and go very quickly. He had to face down some hardline Brexiteers, including Boris Johnson, who was trying to make mischief this morning. The Prime Minister is in Northern Ireland talking to business people to try to persuade them that this is a good deal for them. And it's a pleasure to welcome for the first time to the stand, Suzanne Lynch. Suzanne is Chief Brussels Correspondent for Politico and would be known to many of our listeners as formerly being the Irish Times US Correspondent. Suzanne, the most immediate question many people will want to wonder about is how many concessions and what kind of concessions did the European Union have to make through its representative, Maro Sefcovic? Yeah, look, I think, Eamon, a lot of this was about um, optics and about, you know, presenting a deal that in one way Rishi Sunak needed to say he got significant concessions. But on the other hand, the EU had to give so much, but not enough to reopen the entire deal. And this is the skill of this. This is the trick of, of this. And I suppose, you know, we're talking, the big political figures have been out this week and we had this whole press conference with von der Leyen and, and Rishi yes. Sunak. But like in reality, it's the negotiators behind the scene who've been working on this, who who, who got this over the line and who yes. managed to do enough uh, for both sides, really. Yes. Sashkovic uh, is an impressive looking character. He is. And he's, um, I I mean, one, one issue that's kind of interesting, uh, some people here were saying, did they feel sorry for him? Because on Monday, uh, there was von der Leyen having tea with the king and, you know, all this dramatic trip over on the Eurostar. And, and Borol Sefcovic was here briefing ambassadors in a boring room across the road here in the European Council. And um, I was speaking to people saying, 
you know, when when the when it when stuff got exciting and got to the end, von der Leyen kind of swooped in. Now, but look, that's the way it is. We've we've seen that throughout Brexit when when things get very serious to the uh, last moment. Then you have the big figures like Jean Claude Juncker, von der Leyen's predecessor or Donald Tusk, whoever it might be. But look, it's undoubted that Marusevkovic was the guy running this. Um, now, in recent weeks and months, von der Leyen's own team got involved, and in a way, you knew that's why things were getting quite serious. Um, but the fact, I think, that at no point did you have this getting to EU leaders' level, like there was a summit here just a couple of weeks ago, or last week, the one where Zelensky arrived and there was no mention of Brexit at that. And I think yes. that was an indication that they were prepared to kind of keep it within the commission, give them the, the leeway to do what they needed to do. And the rest of the European Union just kind of wants to move on now and was happy, you know, with what was agreed. Now, interestingly, personal chemistry sometimes works, even in these major negotiations. Ursula von der Leyen addressed Rishi Sunak yesterday as, as dearest Rishi, which was quite surprising. But I suppose if you've been negotiating with Lord Frost or David Frost, who is a hardline kind of bully, an animal, uh, I, Rishi Sunak is a refreshing uh, difference. And he showed courage that people suspected he didn't have to face down Boris Johnson and the other Brexit hardliners. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think she, she, they, they admire him that he's basically getting this done and taking that political risk head on yes. and saying, and you know, Eamon, maybe not von der Leyen so much, but the other EU leaders here, they're all politicians too. They yes. know, they know how difficult it is to, to try and get something through to your, your parliament, to try and deal with something that's so uh, divisive. So they get that and they know how difficult it is. But I think Boris Johnson uh, in particular, um, you know, got under the, the skin of a lot of people here and indefinitely, uh, not just in France, but in Berlin. You know, when he, when a lot of this was going on uh, last year, you had the new government in Germany of Olaf Scholz, the chancellor. And I think there was no love lost there between those two. Yes. Um, but Rishi, I mean, you're right. The, the, the whole body language there, I've never seen, uh, you know, that kind of chemistry. Uh, between a head of commission and a British prime minister. And even here in Brussels, you know, I was speaking to some EU officials and they absolutely, one of the first sentences they said to, to me and some other journalists yesterday was the mood music completely changed with Rishi Sunak. They're saying that, that that was part of it. Um, and look, even though ironic, I mean, it's, it's ironically the fact that, that Rishi, Rishi was a, was, was a Brexiteer, but they yes. could look past that and say, look, this is somebody who's going to have the moral, backbone to get this over the line and we're, we're going to try our best and do business with them. Now, what major concessions do you see, Suzanne, mm. uh, that the EU has made? Yeah, I think the biggest surprise and the biggest concession was this issue of the Stormont break. A new yes. lexicon has now entered the Brexit um, yes. dictionary. But uh, th this we didn't really see coming. And this is the idea that Stormont, uh, 30 MLAs um, from min minimum two parties, will have to trigger this. And it, it seems to be a way of them overriding new EU rules. Now, we have to stress here, uh, officials were saying here in Brussels, there are lots of caveats around that. It would have to be an exceptional situation, a last resort. And the British government, if they came along and said this, uh, well, then there would be some kind of a dispute panel or dispute mechanism that would have to deal with it. So the EU are kind of saying that, yes, they've agreed to this, but they hope it's not going to be used or very rarely used. But it is important in, in that it's, it, it gives the Northern Ireland Assembly much 
a much bigger role. Uh, I think the other big concession, uh, which we could, there was definitely more work done on this in the last few weeks and months, was uh, the fact that the EU's main problem really was the idea of allowing goods into potentially into the single market, that they would come into Northern Ireland yes. and then cross the border into the Republic and then they're in the EU. And I think the problem is, you know, stepping back that the, it, it's okay now, we all know there's not that much divergence between e, UK and EU standards. But what about in 10 or 20 years' time? Yes. So the UK signs this fetid deal with the US, which we know may never happen, but just say it does and it has chlorinated chicken coming in or yes. whatever. Then then the risk gets greater. So in a way, I think the longer this went on, the more worried the EU would have would have become about this issue. And that's one of the reasons I think, I mean, there's a whole other debate about the pressure on unionists to take this deal. At the moment, that's the only reason the EU conceded on that. So they have basically um, made this green lane and red lane system. And, and that's a bit of window dressing. They were just calling it express lanes. Yes. Um, so, but they have made, uh, and in fairness, the EU has moved and, and the UK side can see this as a victory. There's going to be a lot fewer uh, regulatory demands on uh, UK businesses. You know, at one point they had to enter 80 data points on a, on a form or something, and now it's going to be 21. Uh, more this trusted trusted trader scheme they're talking about will apply to more companies. So they they have made um, made concessions there and hope they hope that this will really have a, a genuine impact on the number of, uh, the, the amount of red tape and bureaucracy that will be associated with trade of, of goods across the Irish Sea. Yeah, so there was, they were the carrots. Uh, the stick, I suppose, Suzanne, would have been uh, the threat of a, tr a trade war. Britain mm. has suffered economically, as everybody knows, uh, because of Brexit. Um, it's worse than the government will admit, but people in business know, and indeed the GDP figures show Britain is, you know, at the bottom of the G7 League. The threat of a trade war was a big stick that the EU had, or was it? I think it was. I think that's yeah. what this ultimately comes down to if you pair away everything. Yes. But if this negotiation had fallen apart again, really where this was going to end up was the EU walking away and saying, right, like because the Northern Ireland Protocol you know, the, the, the trade agreement, the TCA, was predicated on the Northern Pro Ireland Protocol and the withdrawal agreement getting sorted. So if that didn't get sorted, well then, you know, that would mean technically that the trade agreement could be, you know, withdrawn or, or changed. So I think, I think they really would have gone down that road and, you know, potentially, let's see, touch what it does all get through now. But that is, that, that, that imbalance, I suppose, between the size of the British economy and the European Union I mean, there's an irony here. Britain was always the country who saw the EU, it saw the EU as an economic union. It loved the yes. single market. It thought it was the best thing about the EU, uh, that it's really a trading block. And, it, you know, they brought these, this huge market of 500 million people and businesses together. Um, and now it's outside of it. Uh, so I think it ultimately, and I think it would have got to that place again. I mean, I, I really do think over the last year, a big change has been the, the position in Germany. And I think that there's absolutely no way uh, Chancellor Schultz would have gone further than this. And, you know, if it come to it, you know, the, the concerns of the German BMW makers are long gone. And um, I think that, you know, yes, certain economies would be damaged uh, more than others. But ultimately, I think the EU would be prepared to go that far uh, if, it, if, it, if it came to that. So I think, I think that was ultimately the big stick. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, there is another big date approaching at Easter, the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, and the prospect of Joe Biden being in the North and also the prospect, if a deal wasn't successfully done, of another breach in uh, British-US relations. That's another kind of stick, isn't it? I mean, the, yes. the, there is pressure. Uh, they want a good relationship with the United States. As you pointed out, Suzanne, they seek a, a trade deal with the US, whether they'll get it, I'm not so sure. But the the thing is, they want to give themselves the best possible chance. And that would mean not disappointing the administration in Washington. Absolutely. The US has taken an active interest in this and has made that clear. I suppose the issue now for Rishi Sunak is how much the DUP care about that. I mean, we've had some members of the DUP coming out and effectively saying, well, Biden is no friend of unionism. Yes, um, so, they're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, so so that's the that's that's another issue. Um, yes. Will you know? Is that a bargaining chip that Rishi Sunak is kind of going to be? It's it's a bit like the analogy of well, a family member saying, you know, please get on board with me for this. You know, Uncle Harry is coming to visit, and we need to we need to get this together, and we need to be on the same page. What happens yep. if 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 the other person doesn't see it like that? So I think that actually is a, is a concern. Um, but I think there's, there is going to have to be a conversation or a dialogue with the DUP about what they want from that presidential visit, if it comes. Like everyone is saying he's, he might come, but you know, the DUP need to be included in that. They need to, yes. to know that that's a positive thing for all communities in the North. And I think maybe there hasn't been enough conversation about that and what that would look like. Yes, I mean, the, the DUP's position, Jeffrey Donaldson has kept his cards very close 
to his chest. He said he can see virtues in this uh, Windsor framework, uh, but others, notably Ian Paisley Jr., said didn't feel right in his gut. God knows what that means. But getting his party on side will be important. And I wonder, what's the perspective in Brussels about the DUP and its significance, given you know that it's it's a very small party and it can at times and is in in this situation holding all of Europe and beyond to ransom. Yeah, I think there people are um, you know politicians here are aware of the of the of the peace element uh, of Northern Ireland and fragility of the political situation in Northern Ireland. They genuinely are aware of that. And, and see it as an important, it was one of their sticks, if you like, for getting to try and, and sort out this. Yes. Um, but, and I, look, the EU, there's a whole other kind of debate about the EU's role in conflict and, you know, the, the, the Western Balkans or even what we're seeing in Ukraine and, and how the EU can be a kind of a peace project. So it, it's a kind of ideologically quite important to the EU. But in terms of the DUP, it is, a, it is notable that the European Parliament here now, sometimes, and MEPs won't like me saying this, but, you know, it's seen as a, as the lesser of all the of the EU institutions. But uh, a lot of, of the Irish MEPs there and others have been reaching out to, you know, MLA's uh, instalment. They've, they've been over visiting. Um, yes. The history of, of unionist politicians, as well as people like John Hume, um, people like Mary Lou MacDonald, who have sat in the European Parliament. So, yes. so it's kind of it, that angle, I think, is, is very real to a lot of people, a lot of MEPs in the European Parliament. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that uh, interaction. Um, like I was recently, in, or it was, I don't know, a few months ago in a hotel in Brussels, and I said to myself, who's that? I realized it was Diane Dodds yes. uh, in Brussels. You know, so there are people are, so that, that, those conversations are happening. And I think that's something to watch now over the next few months. That they may, and it's part of this outreach to Northern Ireland about getting involved, all communities involved in this. Uh, that it wasn't so black and white. I think the European Union did move on that, and it took them a while to understand. You know, trade is a very mathematical and non-emotional kind of a, of an issue. Yes, uh, they didn't realise what in a in a post-conflict society uh, that you have to be a bit more sensitive. I think there was a learning there for the EU on this. Now, is there a time limit, uh, Suzanne, for the DUP? For example, uh, they uh, say they need time. Well, Donaldson says he needs time. Sammy Wilson was also on Newsnight last night with Paisley Jr. Uh, Sammy Wilson doesn't like it. Now, they're long-term members of the DUP. Uh, they may not be widely respected. The question of how long the EU is prepared to wait for uh, acceptance or not. Uh, obviously, there's also a question about how long Rishi Sunak can afford to wait. Is this in any way time-limited from a European Union perspective? I think uh, they still have a bit of time on this, and I think they cleverly structured it in this way. Yes. So, quite technical, and I'm going, I have the document here, but it, some parts of it could be at least a year before they come in. Right. You know, and then the other thing is that there are some uh, processes that the EU has to go through. Now, nobody envisages any problems, but there's going to be this joint committee meeting probably at the end of March between the UK and the EU. But the European Parliament, again, there's probably around three legislative proposals that will have to go to the Parliament. I was just speaking to someone there and they're talking about that taking months. 
So, you know, I'd say there is some time there, six months or so. I'm, I'm, I'm picking that number now a, a little bit um, out of the sky, but uh, there, it, there's no sense that there's an imminent deadline here. Now, what's interesting, though, is that the UK, and this is the carrot and stick issue, they're going to want to get going on discussions about other things that were held up because the Northern Ireland yes. Protocol. And one of those, the top one there is Horizon Europe. That's the EU's big research project. They've been left out of that because of the Northern Ireland Protocol, and they want to get that back moving again. So that's a big, uh, that is a, something of a time pressure, I think, from the UK side. Now, Bertie Aaron said earlier in the week that he thought if this wasn't done in the next three weeks, the European Union and Ireland, of course, would have to wait until the next British government, which most people expect to be a Labour government. Uh, so he was, there was a sense of urgency he was injecting into it. Now things have moved on dramatically. I think we can all agree yesterday was a dramatic day and its outcome uh, has largely been welcomed. But the impression one got from Bertie Hearn's observations, and on this particular subject, he is, as you know, one of the architects of the Good Friday Agreement. He thought time was of the essence. Yeah, it, it, it is a point that, you know, Rishi Sunak needs to seize this political window or it will be gone. And the longer this goes on, you know, the more danger there is. Like what, what happens, for example, in the next week if the DUP suddenly finds something on page 18, paragraph 5, yes. that's actually being spun slightly... And you know, or if Boris Johnson gets active and he is on, he's on maneuvers, Suzanne, yeah. and they may feel he's the only person yeah. who can lead them to a, the next election and have a chance of winning. Yeah, that is true. So, so his he's also said he's studying it. So whether they kind of team up, so that is a bit of a warning sign. But on the you know, will, should they wait for Labour government argument? The other aspect here is that next year the European elections are on. So that's yes. probably around May 2024. And things are gearing up for that. And it's going to be all about who gets the top job. Will Ursula von der Leyen stay on? All of that. That conversation is going to start, you know, this year. Um, so if there was any big, if this was really to fall apart and you really had to get all the leaders involved, you know, I, you could see a scenario where they try and push that back until we have a new parliament and a new commission, which would be mid-2024, really. Right. Just a final couple of questions Sefcovic, uh, the man who negotiated this and managed to stay sane while talking to David Frost, who's now Lord Frost, he's shown immense skill and patience. And when you look at the details, they're kind of, you know, you have to be, if you're not a details person like Johnson or indeed Donald Trump, this game is not for you, is it? Because the detail in this is important. Yeah, I mean, this it's, it's interesting because in a way, this is like a victory for, you, they're not called civil servants here, but it really is of tech. Yes. They, they did the work. But this is what the EU does, Eamon. This is what the EU is good at. It mightn't be interesting, it mightn't be exciting, but this is what it's great yes. at. You know, it's great. It's, it's been doing trade deals for years. It's, and, and also, the way it works here, I'm sitting here in Brussels, and there are 27 countries, 27 missions and embassies around here. Yes. And every day, every week, they're going in negotiating something on, you know, digital, you know, EU chargers or uh, defense or agriculture. And every day, there, there are people there. It's usually the country that's holding the EU presidency is trying to get agreement. So they yes. negotiate all the time. So when we're talking about, you know, connections or, you know, like concessions by the EU, 
Uh, like in a way, they make conce- everybody makes concessions here every day because you'd never get yeah. anything done. They start off with completely different, and then there's compromise. So people don't see that as a failure here. They see it as an achievement. That's what the EU is about, getting a document on X policy that you've got 27 people to agree on. Of course, there's going to be concessions there. Yes. It's, it's made of concessions, but that's progress, and that you get something at the end of it. And this is what's happening with the UK in, in this sense. So... Um, you're right about Seth Givity. I think he did have the right personality in that, you know, he was just, he's this very kind of serious. We saw him get emotional once a few months ago at one of these meetings in the parliament where you could tell he was getting very, very frustrated. Yes. Um, but he's kept his cool. Uh, he's trusted his negotiators. And just yesterday, he briefed ambassadors here. It was somebody put it to me. It was a bit of a listening exercise by them. He just said it out very clearly. But they were all, they, they have a respect for him. They, they, were, they were listening. They're all going to go back now and, and go through, comb through this document, even as I said, we don't expect any changes. But I think he was the right person for the job. And the very fact that he wasn't that political and he was a bit low key was what they needed. A final question, uh, Suzanne. The president of the EU Commission, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, this must be surely a very important moment for her. And she has shown herself to be formidable. Uh, during this particular crisis, and she has, it seems, a very good chance of getting a very big result. Uh, is her stock higher now than it was when she took the job? Yeah, I think this will be put down as one of her achievements. But as I said at the beginning, there, because of the Ukraine war has changed everything here. We would be having yes. a different conversation, Eamon, if this had been before yes. the war. Everyone, Everyone's attention is on that. So, yes, there. I mean, we saw some of the East European leaders, the Czech Prime Minister yesterday, yesterday tweeting congratulating them on the deal. So it's not that people are not that interested, but they're, as I say, they're happy to let her do it. But she very much is able to rise to the, the, to the occasion. And she too is this detailed kind of a person, yes. you know, not that emotional, just kind of gets it done. And, you know, she had the right attributes, I think, to try and take the emotion out of this, uh, to see the British as partners, particularly with Ukraine, to try to work more with them and, and with the right person at the right time. So I think, yeah, and I think the fact that she... I think it did add, we were, we were you know, that little bit of colour yesterday meeting the King. Now, I know that was controversial in itself, but she could see the, the, the sense of it. She could see the gravity of this. Yes, um, and, and, and Charles doesn't, Charles is very interested in politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, you may see him in Brussels one day uh, yeah. because he, he always has been writing. He used to write to all the prime ministers. Yeah, he's new meet Macron next month in France so we were saying that that's kind of maybe stolen a bit of Macron's thunder that um, <laughs> you know von der Leyen got there first Okay um, Suzanne Lynch Chief Brussels Correspondent for Politico we're very grateful to you for that contribution we're very happy uh, that you uh, are on the stand thank you very much indeed Great that's to all. talk to you Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks to Suzanne, to all of you who listened. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.